First, I would like to congratulate all of you for being uh, the few that find the narrow road to salvation amidst the Zydeco Cup. I'm glad we're all here together, you know, <laughs> in uh, heaven on earth. Um, we're going to continue. You probably don't know this, and it's hard for me to recall sometimes, that we're actually trying a homily series this Lent. I know that uh, Father Brewster and I have been kind of in and out with retreats and such. But we are trying a homily series. Um, and we're going to call it uh, Living Our Baptism. So the way that Lent is structured, especially in this year A, is that everything is kind of geared towards baptism. There's the climax of actually receiving the catechumenates into the church on Easter Vigil. And so we began Lent just going through the key liturgies here on Ash Wednesday, knowing that baptism is putting on Christ and being transformed into him. And so there were three parts of man that need to be transformed, his primary parts, his his intellect, and we know that through prayer, his will, and that is purified through almsgiving, and then his appetites, which is purified through fasting. But these are all external acts. So then, in pressing forward, we come to know that whenever we try to become Christ, put on Christ, we are faced with temptation. And so we see Christ being tempted in the desert in that first Sunday of Lent. But putting on Christ and being transformed to him is not as simple as just avoiding sin. And so in that second Sunday of Lent... We had the transfiguration every second Sunday of Lent as a way to kind of desire holiness and to desire glory. And so now I want to spend these next three Sundays of Lent talking about something that I've actually never heard preached on uh, from the pulpit, but I think is indispensable to talk about in the spiritual life. And that is not exterior self-denial, like fasting, but interior self-denial, interior purification. And so there are three primary faculties or powers that are within us that need to be purified in order to become Christ. And so we're going to talk about those, the memory, the imagination, and the intellect. But today we're going to focus on the memory. And we have beautiful readings to explain why we have to have our memory purified. First, why do we need our our memory purified at all? What is the problem? The problem is that man is prone to forget God. Man is prone to forget God. We forget him all the way back to the garden, whenever Eve kind of gets a little fuzzy on the details about what God commands, we forget him in a lot of different scenarios. Start with the first reading in a way that we can forget God. We forget God from what he has done in the past and what he'll promise in the future. The way in which the devil likes to corner us is mentally to where we're stuck in the now so that the Israelites and we've all heard or we've all kind of like you know shared the same attitude like 
those Israelites, I mean, they are not very bright. You know, like they were just in Egypt being in slavery. How could they say to Moses, why did you bring us out here? That's part of why the memory needs to be purified. But we all know that we've been in a similar boat as the Israelites, where we're in a, we're in a pickle. We're in a tough situation. We're in a desert. There's no food, so to speak. And we say, yeah, I know everything that you've done, God. I know that you've died for me. But that doesn't put food on the table, right? Like, it just, there's no, uh, there's no reason for me to continue, even though you kind of, like, did this really nice thing for me. The other half of this is that the Israelites forget where they're going. They forget that they are going to the promised land. So we forget about God's events in the past, what he's done, and we forget about God's promise in the future. So that's one way. But another way that we can forget God is whenever we do not respond to his graces. Another way we can forget God is when we do not respond to his graces. Simply put, God moves us in one of two ways. Either to act in charity or to repent of our sins. And the way in which God moves, so we heard in the response to the psalm, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. But the way in which God speaks to us in those graces, in those times, to move us to repentance or to move us to an act of charity, is that he doesn't just tell us. Like, in telling us, he gives us the power. He moves the will. It'd be the same way if, like, It'd be just as powerful, for instance, if God just told us in an analogous way. If Dustin and the choir loft were just to read, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Like that's an idea, right? But it doesn't move me. It's not like the polyphony that we just heard where like hearing the clashing and the harmonization of the voices that I am moved, like my will is moved to say, yes, if today I hear his voice, I will not harden my heart. Whenever God gives us the grace to make an act of charity or to make an act of repentance or thanksgiving, if we don't move on it then, then it remains a shelved idea. Like he gives us the grace in the moment to act upon it. And if we don't act upon that grace, then we easily forget about God. Because then we say, no, I'm putting that on. And God is dragged down to the same level of priority as every other response in my life. But now let's fast forward to the gospel. What is another way in which we forget God? Not only not by forgetting what God has done in the past and forgetting his promises in the future, or by not responding to graces that are given, but we have the Samaritan woman who forgets God because of her pattern of sinfulness because of her pattern of sinfulness we have a woman who when she is in the face of God when Jesus Christ approaches her like can't remember for for whatever reason that she had five husbands like it just she forgets and the way that Jesus draws her out is very beautiful 
Because now we're going to kind of get to what the purified memory is supposed to look like. Jesus remembers for the Samaritan woman her sins. I tell you, you have had five husbands, and the one that is your husband now is still not your husband. But he must have obviously said it in a way that was much more tender and loving than the way that I just conveyed. That she is immediately moved to say, this is the savior of the world. That she desires the living water given to her. Jesus remembers her sins in order that she might remember Jesus. Jesus remembers her sins in order that she might remember Jesus. And this happens, obviously, most concretely in the confessional, but in our day-to-day just examination of ourselves. That if I remember my sins under the merciful gaze and the redemptive and hopeful gaze of Christ, now I am able to forget my sins and to remember Jesus Christ. And so this is what the purified memory does. This is the fault of the memories that it forgets God. What the purified memory looks like is that I remember God, and I not only remember God, but it's funny, I remember something that never happened to me. We oftentimes think of our memory as like, remember that time when we did this, remember that time that like stubbed my toe, remember that time... Uh, that, I don't know, anything else. Remember that, yeah. Remember that time we were, we were caught in traffic and going all around, right? Like, we're stuck on this horizontal plane. But the purified memory remembers something that did not happen. In other words, remembers the eternal beatitude. It remembers the new promised land that eye has not seen or remembered and ear has not heard or remembered. This is what the purified memory does. And in doing it, we regain the virtue of hope. We regain hope. Because eventually a person who has forgotten God has no reason for hope. They despair. And so Jesus, in remembering our sins so that we can remember him allows us to forget our sins rather than the futile attempt to push down our sins and to not look at him. And so with that said, let's talk about what are some practical ways in which we can purify our memory. I'm going to give four general things. The first is forgetting our past sins. Now, this is a little nuanced, right? Like a person who kind of forgets their past sins, it just said kind of pushing them down, well, this is a person who's detached from himself and his humanity. But a person who can forget his past sins because God has remembered them and forgiven them is one who can press forward to God's redemption. And the reason why we want to forget our past sins in remembering them with God. That's the only, the only way we can forget our sins if we remember them in the sight of God. Is that um, we either be moved to despair if we still remember our sins 
Like, I can't believe I did that, yada, yada, yada. And I never brought this to the Lord in full transparency or in confession. Or, we are tempted by the sin. So in remembering it, it's like, you know, there are some sins that we remember that are like sins of appeal, like gluttony and lust. Like, man, remember how good that, that corn dog from Sonic was today. It was only a dollar, you know? Um, actually, all right, kid, put on your pants. We're going back to Sonic, you know? Like, you remember, you remember, and it's appealing again, you know? Um, so that's one way. Another way, not sins of appeal, but like, especially like sins of wrath or envy. That if I remember, now I can't go to sleep because like that guy cut me off in traffic, never responded to my email, and put all the cones out, you know, so that I couldn't get to church, right? Like we just brood over the sin. That's why we must forget our past sins. But again, the method of doing that isn't just acting like it never happened, it is remembering them in the sight of God. The second method to kind of connect it to the first is that we cease thinking of past injuries, things done to us. We get strangely calculated and are able to put on judges' robes whenever something is done to us that we don't like. And the way that we can get out of this mindset of cease thinking of past injuries, because a lot of times... Like we're injured in very ordinary day-to-day ways and we can point out how a person failed at every corner to uh, offend us. But we have to recognize that like whenever we catch a break in life, if I get lucky, that like this isn't luck, this is God's mercy. Any break I catch in life, it's God's mercy that is allowing that. Like the Lord is so merciful with me. And the Lord is so merciful with them. The other way that we cease thinking of past injuries is we remember Jesus on the cross, just simply, we've heard a million times, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. We have to choose that act to remember Christ. And remembering Christ, then we are able to stop thinking of past injuries. The third like the Israelites, we must remember the benefits from God. This is, by the way, the purification of the memory here. It's like one of the most, the most fundamental thing that we do as Catholics. Because what we do as Catholics is the Greek anamnesis. That is, we remember. Jesus unites all of us in the act of worship by saying, do this in memory of me. We remember the benefits of God by devoutly and attentively paying attention in Mass and by remembering what God has done. If I fill my mind with that act, I am making present again the benefits of God. And then fourthly, that we consider reconsider the motives for Christian hope. We reconsider the motives for Christian hope. If the Israelites are in the desert and they just kind of like get some food, does that put them in the promised land? No, they're still in the desert. Now all they have is manna. 
So often we forget where our eternal happiness is. And we forget how unsatisfying the goods of this world are. And so we have to have a nostalgia, a memory for our eternal homeland, that motive for Christian hope, to belong entirely to love uh, and goodness himself, to be dissolved in his presence, to know all things without any sense of fear, to have this knowledge. And again, what I'm describing, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And so we trust the authority of God that the heavenly homeland is more than we could ever desire. And so the Lord does desire to heal us. He desires to heal our memories so that in all things we can remember him, be present to him, and strive to be with him for eternity.